Hello and welcome back to the Potted Together podcast. My name is Adam and I'm, as always, joined by my favorite co-host, Becca <laughs> and Nicole. Oh, stop. <laughs> wow. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. How's your days going? Good? Well, happy, happy fall. Happy fall. Can I say mm. it? <laughs> you can say it. Officially. Yes. It has been raining here in Arizona, like, constantly, and I'm just loving it. Yeah, I saw that on the news Ooh. channels. Everything Monsoon. is green. Yeah. Um, wow, why does this feel so disconnected, like, this intro? <laughs> or is it just me? Are you guys feeling it? I feel like the vibe is off today. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Did you get in a fight and I didn't know? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no but someone someone did tell me that hold on i have to read it really quick before we get into our catch-ups and you know you talk about what this episode's about wait, wait. is this gonna be a criticism because i just don't know if my heart is in a place to accept it oh, right now no absolutely not i would not do that oh, okay. to you okay uh hold on let's get there okay rick's plants on instagram great person he said as a fellow Gemini, I wish us luck because Mercury is our ruling planet. So if you ever feel fucked, that's why. Ooh, and this yeah. Gemini season, we're in retrograde. So yay for that's us. What I, that's, that's what I said. I think it was the last episode we recorded. Like there oh, was like okay. something like so many planets, six planets were in retrograde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't know that this was like our time. So maybe... Maybe that's why you feel a little funny right now. Maybe. It's a little <laughs> bit funny, this feeling inside. <laughs> wow, you took over my role of just breaking into song. I know. I love it. Ooh, Becca, are we lighting the apple cider candle? Ooh, yes. She's in the mood. It's I pumpkin need to go get apple. Me one of those. So this is oh, the, like the apple. smell of the year. I think I'm gonna have to go back and get another one because I've already burned like a third of it in like two days. But it's yeah. pumpkin apple by White Barn, um, Bath and Body Works. You know the you know the deal, the we drill. Know who yes. they are? We know who she is. Like I really just need to open the candle near me, and it smell. I it's like lighting up the room already. So. Love that. Yeah. We'll do a little yeah. match ASMR. Ooh. <laughs> Tap on it with your nails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that was probably really good. Or yeah, it was I'm just have to like cut Nicole's so audio out so she doesn't, sorry. <laughs> she doesn't talk over it. No, I'm kidding. It's not a cold <laughs> wine. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> 
Oh, it's a bad bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, save it for Patreon, huh? Okay, sorry. Hello, friends. Today, we're continuing on our plants solving crimes, uh, plants that solved crime series. That's a kind of a tough one to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a mouthful. That's what she said. So <laughs> I'm excited for this episode. It's... <laughs> oh my power God. through, power through. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'm excited for this. <laughs> I'm excited for this episode. It is my turn to be the storyteller. And boy, is this a story. But first, you know, we always do a catch up, check in with each other's lives, see how things are going. So, uh, Nicole... How's your week been? Oh, it's peachy. Well, today it is 65 whole degrees and yesterday it was like 85. So I am in all of my wonderful glory. I'm in a very good mood today, even though my legs are completely (laughs) shot um, because I brought all of my plants inside today. And guess what, guys? I didn't film it. Not one second of it. And it felt good. (laughs) It felt good. I'm going to actually do a plant tour. Let's see how long it takes me to film and edit that. You're going to do a full plant tour? Yeah, I'm going to do a full plant tour. You've inspired me, Becca. You've oh my inspired gosh. I'm excited. me. Okay, it's like so daunting, but I love, I would love to watch a tour of your guys' collections. Like every single plant, just have it going while I'm doing stuff. Yeah, I'm excited die. to see yours to. too. It's because it, we haven't seen each other's collections in quite some time. Like, I mean, I've seen videos of yours where, like, you know, you're repotting and doing plant chores, but like, I don't, I haven't mm-hmm. seen your full collection in a while. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, so I did that and I got it done like minutes before we hopped on here. We bumped this recording session up an hour because you guys are so kind. I knew I needed the time. I started at like 8 30 this morning and got done at like 12 30 and I took oh a gosh. couple breaks. Yeah, it was a lot because I had to repot a lot and then I had to clean out the shed to like put my shelves in there. It was just a lot. Washing down like spidery terracotta pots and shit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so that's what I did today. But this this week, I'm kind of bummed because I have to work tomorrow and Saturday and Tomorrow is Mia's high school's um, homecoming game. And we've been going to football games like every Friday. Well, that I'm able to go. And it's been fun. It's been fun, like a fun little family thing to do. And I can't Mm -hmm. go to the homecoming game. It's going to be like the biggest one, but I have to work. And then she's going to and she's going to be in this parade. It's just going to be really cute. And I'm going to miss it. And I and Jay's not going to go because he has to work. But I was telling my mom, I was like, can you just take some video or some pictures? And when I tell you that, like, bless her heart. She can't take a photo to save her life. <laughs> she knows this too. Like she'll agree with me. She's like, you know, Bless I can't take heart. photos. <laughs> She's like, you know, I can't take photos. I can't. Ta- I'll try. I'll try. And I'm like, oh my god, I just need video. I'm missing all the moments. But that's not the biggest bummer for me. The biggest bummer is Saturday. She's got her homecoming dance, and she's. She's going and she's getting dressed up and it's like a mini prom. Like homecoming is a big deal. Yeah. Did you guys did you guys have homecoming at your school? Because I didn't. Yeah. I mine. Yeah. Like the first two years of high school, homecoming was not a thing. Like it was very uncool to go. But then the last two years, I'm not gonna say it was because of me, but 
me and my friends ran student council, okay? We were type A getting in there. So we we did a formal homecoming senior year, but junior year we did like a neon glow party and it was so fun. Oh, cool. That's so fun. Yeah, so everyone wore like neon. There's like, yeah, it was just really fun. Homecoming for me wasn't like nobody wore dresses. It was like khakis and button up shirt, like kind of. It wasn't like a a very formal. a dressy formal situation. Mm-hmm. My school uh, my school also made us take breathalyzers before every single school dance because there was one girl when I was younger who was just like really trashed at prom. Oh shit! And so before you could enter any dance, you had to take a breathalyzer. Uh, everybody and so it was just like i'm not saying that you i'm rightly so you shouldn't be drunk in high school at a dance right but it was just like (laughs) our dances weren't very like i don't know it wasn't very fun and for prom you had to take a breathalyzer before like when you came into prom and you had to stay the entire prom and then you had to take another breathalyzer before post prom because we had like an after party mm. that you could win prizes. Yeah. But you couldn't go to post prom if you left early from prom. So it's just like they really had oh, it on really? lockdown. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wait, um, and your how many kids was in your graduating class? Like forty? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so me is it's it's Saturday and she is talking to this one boy. He's a sweet kid. I have a feeling they're going to end up dating, but she, he he's taking her. He asked her to homecoming. And hmm. yeah, and I've been talking to his mom because his mom is going to be like they they live like literally 2 minutes away from us. So they're going to come here for photos and then like Mia's dad's going to come with Mia's stepmom and like everybody's going to be here and I'm not going to be here. I can't. I'm like, just somebody take a really good few photos for me, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm going to be a wreck. But she's going to a before party. She's going to homecoming, which is seven to ten. And then she's going to an after party from 10 to 1130. And then her father's picking her up. And I'm just like, I don't remember staying out that late when I was 14, 15, but maybe I did. Uh, I don't. I did. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, think did, I did too. too. Mm. So I was talking to Jay about it because we had like agreed on 11. And then Cooper, who is Mia's friend's mom, was like, well, I think all the kids, like, I think they're shutting it down at 1130. Like, would you be okay with 1130? And I'm talking to Jay and Jay's like, that's really late. And I'm like, it's 30 <laughs> minutes later than what we originally agreed on. <laughs> anyway um but she's very excited she has a very pretty dress the theme is midnight in paris and like they've been decorating the school so she's gonna have a she's gonna have a lot of fun and i'm i feel like i'm missing out i feel like i feel like one of those moms that has a job that's just like I took this job so I could be a more part of their lives, but I didn't think about like these important moments in high school and how I work on the weekend. So now my brain mm. is thinking of the years to come and I'm like, I have to block this weekend out. I have to yeah, try to figure prom. out when prom you gotta is. Block yeah. that out. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm a, re- I'm a little bit of a wreck. I'm not going to lie. So maybe I'll text you guys on Saturday <laughs> and you guys can, you know, talk me off that ledge, but that's yeah. kind of where my brain's been at. 
I love that Mia's thriving in her new school, like finding these friends and her clique. That's so sweet. Yeah, she is. She, um, she's got a couple of like girlfriends too. And I took one of her friends home the other day after a volleyball game. She seemed really sweet. So yeah, she's finding her people. The first couple of weeks was a little hard, but I was like, listen, it's going to take time to make friends. Mm -hmm. And even right now, like they're not really friends, friends. It's more like getting to know people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But since since you talked about this in the pod, I feel okay bringing it up. But the guy yeah. who bought her the Lego bouquet out of the picture, right? Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> I don't know if I should talk about this on the pod, but there's a story. So maybe I can okay. tell you guys afterwards. But yes. okay. I won't I won't spill my daughter's tea on, on the podcast, but <laughs> yeah. Let's just say she broke his heart. Oh, Boom. as yeah. she should. Heartbreaker. <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, so that's kind of where my mind's been this week. And we're going to decorate for fall and Halloween on Sunday. So I'm very excited about that. Woo. Yeah. And then, you know, it's going to be October soon. And that's my month. And it's just a, oh, I love this time of year. I love it so much. Yes. So. Mm. yeah awesome all right what's been in the what's been in your world happening in your world becca oh gosh okay i feel like i've never worked as much as i have this week because i've been like nose to the grindstone girl um (laughs) and i i guess sometimes i'd consider myself a hard worker but not nor not usually i'm like i'll (laughs) I'll do what I need to do and I'll be really nice so it feels like I'm going above and beyond. That that used to be my thing at work, you know? Like when I worked at like a restaurant and anyway, at school. I have to say I never once brought home papers from school to grade. Never. Never once. Really? Wow. Yeah, never. I'm like, ah, uh, no. That's not coming home with me. <laughs> not to my sanctuary. Anyway, so that's just the kind of worker I am. So I've been kind of you know, doing my thing. So we've been making some serious project on the progress on the greenhouse. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say specifically what I've done because it doesn't mean anything to anybody out there. Like, I don't know that it doesn't make any sense, but I will say that the exterior is so close to being done and then it'll be time to work on the interior. And I found Mm -hmm. bricks. They're reclaimed bricks. They have like, printed stuff on them so it says like missouri um moberly county or something like that moberly is a small town like north of columbia so if it's at columbia that'd be even better but it says moberly anyway i found these bricks they're kind of expensive but they're the exact height that i need and so i think i'm just gonna buy them because for like the floor yeah because i wasn't sure Um. how i was gonna be able to figure out the bricks because i have those four by fours or that's actually three and a half by three and a half going across the floor so i would have needed it to find three and a half inch bricks and it mm. like i cannot find them anywhere and then i saw this listing on facebook marketplace of these like reclaimed bricks that like have um a history they they look used which is what i wanted i didn't want it to look like brand new so anyway yeah i'm gonna pick those up probably sometime soon they have a lot of them so i'm gonna be fine and then um other than that, I've been, as we've discussed, I've been working on my houseplant tour 
those are it's something I've been putting off because they are so <laughs> much work. And also, I don't want to be that person that's like, I've been working so hard on this video for you yeah. guys. Like, I do not <laughs> want to give that vibe at all. Um, you know, like when YouTubers are like, I'm doing this for you guys. And it's like, uh, yes. nobody asks you to do it. It gives me the ick. It gives me the yeah. 100% gives me the ick. And I don't want to do that, but I will say, like, I've been getting more messages than usual asking for a houseplant tour. So I'm like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get this done. Yeah. So that's why I love them. People love them, and I guess I get Mm. it because, like, if you guys put one out, I would sit down with popcorn and I'd watch the whole thing. I would. Yeah. So I get it. Um. But yeah, so it's about two hours long. And I am very scared to know how long it's going to take to upload. Like, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very curious. You got to let us know. I'm going to upload it overnight. Let's just say that. Because um, I yeah. imagine it'll be like 12 hours. Oh, my God. And I'm just going to have to Yikes. hope that my computer doesn't like shut down in the process. <laughs> so anyway that should be going live tomorrow depending on how uploading goes but other than that like i've just yeah i've been decorating for fall and i feel like my house during the holidays is such a vibe which i really appreciate because i hate winter and cold i mean i don't i don't need to go on and on about that i think everybody knows this about me i'm just i'm a summer baby i love it well i was born in the spring but you know what i mean like i love the summer i love the heat yesterday it was like 80 degrees and like partially cloudy and I was outside basically all day just lapping it up. It was the best. So in order to cope with the changing weather, I just decorated my house and we are, it's a pumpkin pumpkin parade. We got lots of pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it looks really cute. And this year, okay, I will say in the past, I have purchased like a couple of flameless candles And I was like, "Uh, okay, I'm going to put these in places where I really wouldn't want to light a candle anyway, like inside of a lantern outside or something. Okay, see, this year I bought like 15 more because they are so... (laughs) (laughs) They're aesthetically pleasing. I I did go a bit overboard, I'm going to be honest. But like I have like pumpkins. It's a vibe. I have pumpkins in my TV stand and I'm like, oh, well, when the lights are off, you can't see them. So I put a light behind them. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I thought you guys would appreciate that. Um, Oh, I do for sure. Yeah. So I've got like flameless candlesticks. I've got flameless like column candles. They are everywhere. My house is just so cozy at night. And that is the <laughs> the level of extra that I want to be because I feel so happy. I'm not even that sad about the weather changing because my house looks like this. So, yeah, yeah, there is that. That's important. I love that. It's important to, to, you know, make the inside of your home feel like a place you really want to be mm-hmm. in the fall and the winter because you spend so much time inside. Yeah. That's why it bums me out like... The first week of January is quite literally the worst week of the entire year for me. Sorry to my husband, who's it's also his birthday week. But like, it's awful because like you're taking down Christmas stuff and then your house is just naked again and it's cold as shit outside, you Mm -hmm. know, where we're at anyway, not in Arizona or anything. I mean, I don't 
I don't want to rain on your parade, but you don't have to take Christmas down. Like, if you wanted to leave it up one more week to let Jay's birthday week feel less bland, yeah, then do it. I, I left my tree up until April last year. No, you did not, <laughs> April. you liar. Yes. <laughs> and that's yes. a record. That's got to be a record. I guess I could, you know, just listen to Taylor Swift and... Leave everything up until January. I might do that. I might do that, to be honest. Mm. But, like, even with the season, even with the holidays ending, it's still, like, a sad time. So, like, decorating and, like, making your house cozy is important. Mm-hmm. Very. If you have seasonal depression, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you know what I found out? Speaking of, like, decorating and, like, nesting and all of that, I found out that mother pigs will decorate their nest when they're expecting Shut their up. baby to come. Like, they'll put flowers in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I'm never eating pork again. Never. <laughs> you oh, could not pay me. so good. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> you couldn't pay me. See, I don't even like bacon that much. Like, I find it really inconvenient food to eat. I don't like it. What? Yeah. It is inconvenient. It has inconvenient. to be a perfect way, and I just, yeah, mm. it's not my thing. Oh, it's, it's like definitely my thing. It's like either soggy or it's like way too crispy. Like there are like rare occasions when I manage to get it right. And then I'm like, it is so greasy. It's just, I, re- I honestly would rather have turkey bacon. I know. I know. Mm, that's good too. It's but, good too though. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it ain't breaking. Anyway, so th- speaking of nesting, see, everybody does it, even the pigs. And it's very cute. So, that's <laughs> so cute. Yeah, but other than that, I can't really think of too much. Oh, I don't know. If we might be skipping recording that weekend, but I'm going to a Ren Fair, a Renaissance Festival. Ooh. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's um, an Oktoberfest week, weekend. So Daniel is, well, I need to order him a Lederhosen. Like, you know, the Lederhosen. I and have then- one. An oh, you authentic do? Authentic one. Ooh. Yes. I, that's what I'm going to get for I'm Daniel. I'm a beer nerd. Oktoberfest is my jam. <laughs> that's true. That is true. And I'm going to make myself a drindle. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I'm sorry. Um, anyway. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to see this. Yeah. It'll be fun. Like, I, I don't know how much like real German influencers going to be, you know, like culturally, but I am interested to see what it's going to be like. I've never been to one of these before, but like I love adult dress up opportunities so much. I find it so fun and I'm going to make my dress. So I bought the pattern. I bought the little metal things that go on the front to like lace it up. Like I'm, oh, cool. I'm going to have to start making that pretty soon. So I'm super excited. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so that's Have you guys thought about, have you thought about um, costumes for Halloween yet? Because you guys always dress up, right? Yeah, well, see, I don't know if we're going to this year because my mom is visiting during Halloween. And my mom doesn't, like, you know, she's a a parent. Her kids are gone. So I I don't know if she would dress up. But I don't even know if we're going to do anything for Halloween. We might just, like, chill out and, like, watch movies. But, like... Okay, as an adult, unless you have a work party, what are you dressing up to go do? Like, I guess go Nothing. clubbing? But like... Yeah, I guess. Take pictures. At your or a friend's party? Or a friend's party. At your age, I was having like... <laughs> I had like a few house parties. Yeah. See, you have to have friends. 
for right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. No, no, I do have friends here. It's just I don't feel like they're friends that would like host a Halloween party. I don't know. They're just not yeah. like that. Then yeah. you have to do it. You have to be that person. <laughs> I yeah. have to. Okay, see, I, Daniel and I are so the people that love having people over, but like it's weird to have random people over who do not know each other there's no connection like i think that's just awkward for everybody right yeah Yeah. it kind of it kind of i guess lessens the awkwardness if it's a house party and there's like a specific reason for it like halloween like -hmm. dressing up there's conversation to be had there and then you have music playing and then you have like appetizers and drinks because yeah you're right like that is kind of yeah. weird like if but it was all it could my be done it, it could be done i just fear like that it would be really really awkward and i don't want to put people through that i don't want to put myself through that i've yeah. been to parties like that and it's not fun <laughs> yeah. yeah all right well here's here's the key to a good random party okay upside down pineapples at the front door a <laughs> fishbowl where everyone puts their keys in <gasps> when they get in party <laughs> in designated rooms upside down pineapple i know nothing oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh that's hilarious um that that is one way to have a party <laughs> so yeah. i won't be having that party but if you throw one at him we'll consider coming <laughs> We will put it on the calendar oh. in pencil. <laughs> okay. In pencil. You have pencil. <laughs> um, anyway, that's all I've got going on. Cool. What about you, Adam? It's been a pretty boring week. I helped my friend Lydia move. She moved to a new house this last weekend. Ooh. And when I tell you I think it's the last time I'm going to help somebody move, I legit am saying it's the last oh. time I'm going to help somebody move. It always <laughs> It's like it always sounds like a good idea, like because you want to help people, but it's so hard. And now I'm remembering that you kind of helped us move too. Oh, mm. shit. Oh, my Did gosh. you at least get a free I, pizza? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Not always free pizza. But um, she's kind of like in a, she's in like a, a temporary location. Mm-hmm. But I told her the next time that I'm just going to pitch in money for movers. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. not helping. I will donate money. I will start a GoFundMe. But <laughs> no, thank you. I hear I know you. She lis- I know she listens to this pod, too. So hi, Lydia. Hi, but re- Lydia. Truly, I haven't done, like, physical activity in a long time. Uh, Same. And I was like, yeah, this will be no big deal. I, like, couldn't walk the next day. I was just like, oh. oh. I mean, I could walk. I was being over It felt like I just got done with a day at Disneyland. Which I would be fine with because Disneyland's fun. But when you <laughs> feel that way after, you know, helping someone move, I'm like, I don't like this. Yeah, I know. It's rough. Did she have multiple people helping? Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. And it went very smooth. So it was it was real easy. Um, Good. But yeah, so that's what I did this weekend and really haven't done much this week. Been kind of a bum. Just chilling out, getting some work done. So other than the rain, like how is it still really hot out there? Um, yeah, I mean it's in the nineties usually, but it's really humid now because of all the rain. So like Oh yeah. It feels like Florida outside. Ugh. Yeah. 
And I frizzy do not hair. like that. Yeah. yeah, my hair is uh, quite <laughs> frizzy. <laughs> um, but it's nice to see the desert come alive, you know, with over the past few months, I've, you've seen a lot of green and a lot of plants flowering and it's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. The desert likes it. They need it. Yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Shall we get into the episode? Ooh, yes. I'm so excited for this. I feel like we should be recording these at night with the lights off and like candle. Well, Becca's got a candle on. (laughs) My flameless candles. Ooh, Ooh, Adam just turned the lights off. (laughs) (laughs) Adam turned the light off in the closet. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, I, I will say before we start this story on how plants solved a crime, I had no idea who this person was, but I feel like I should have known who this person was, given the importance of this crime, I want to say, or I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I'm ge- you said. I'm guessing, you said yeah, I'm guessing we just Googled, like, how to plant plants that help solve crimes, and we picked some names, right? Mm-hmm, right. But I didn't know who this person was, but now after, like, diving into it, I'm like, whoa, I should have known this. Mm. I wonder if I know. This is the story of the Lindenberg baby kidnapping. Ooh. I don't like it already. Trigger warning, this episode <laughs> is about the death of a baby. While we won't go into excruciating detail, we want you we want to for, forewarn you about the contents of the episode. The year is 1932. The Great Depression had just happened, also still happening. The US just elected the first ever female senator, Hattie Wyatt Caraway, who represented Arkansas. The third Winter Olympic Games opened in Lake Placid, New York, and an American hero, Charles Lindbergh, is in the throes of an unimaginable tragedy. Charles Lindbergh at the time was celebrated and revered around the world. He was the first person to ever complete a solo transatlantic flight flying from New York to Paris. The total flight time was 33 hours. (gasps) Why did it take so long? Alone in an airplane. Small planes. They didn't have jet engines. Was he up in the air for 33 hours? Like he didn't run out of fuel or anything? I guess so. Wow. Yeah, it says total flight time was the 33.5 hours. And after the completion of what many believe was one of the most consequential flights in history, he earned the nickname Lucky Lindy. Unfortunately for Charles and his family, that nickname did not bring luck into their life. (laughs) Ooh foreshadowing and at that time from all that I have found and read is that Charles and his wife Anne were like I don't even know what to compare them to as far as how much attention they were getting around the world like 
the biggest, biggest celebrity that everyone wants to know what's going on in their lives and what they're doing on the day to day. I that's who Charles Lindbergh was at the time, which hmm. is, you know, it's just wild to think about. Yeah. To escape the constant pressure and attention from the press, Charles Lindbergh and his wife, Anne Morrow Lindbergh, set out to build an oasis away from the city in Hopewell, New Jersey. The 390-acre estate was still under construction in 1932, but the Lindberghs spent weekends there to escape the watchful eye of the press and to find respite. Hmm. On Monday, February 29th, 1932, leap year, hello. Hey. The Lindberghs were due to travel back to the city. However, their 20-month-old baby, Charles Lindbergh Jr., also referred to as Baby Charlie, was not feeling well. So the Lindberghs decided to extend their weekend at the Hopewell estate so Charlie could rest up and recoup from whatever bug he had. The change of plans is significant to the case because very few people knew of the Lindberghs' plans to extend their weekend at the Hopewell estate. Mm, interesting. On Tuesday evening, March 1st, 1932, Betty Gao, baby Charlie's nurse, put him to bed in his second floor nursery of the Hopewell estate while his parents were on the first floor of the home. Charles Lindbergh, as we now know, was a very odd person and had rules set. And one such rule was that no one was allowed to check on the baby until 10 p.m. Charles feared that if people checked on the baby too often, he would be coddled and he wouldn't learn how to self-soothe. Oh, dang. Mm, one of those, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Tough loving. So at 10 p.m. that night, Betty Gao, the nurse, went into the nursery. She had placed baby Charlie in a few hours earlier, only to find the nursery empty. She immediately ran down and confronted Charles and asked if he had the child. Charles was known as a being sort of a prankster, but not just a silly prank, pranks that many would find mean. He had hidden baby Charlie in the past to play a prank on his wife and the nurse, Betty. Unfortunately, uh. this, this situation was not a prank, and Charles and Anne ran to the nursery to also discover it empty. But they did, however, find a ransom note demanding $50,000 for the return of their child. Uh-oh, 50,000 back then is like probably what equivalent to like 500 grand? I think so. Oh my god. Within, so like, did they have I'm assuming that since they were so famous they probably had a lot of money after that flight. Oh, they had so much more money than that, which is what people found a little bit weird that they were only requesting like $50,000 cuz I mean oh. he was I feel like they were some of the most famous people in the world at that time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. Also, hiding a baby is not a what prank. A sick yeah, joke. I was gonna say this guy seems messed up in the head. Like to, I mean, making jokes is one thing, but when the joke is like cruel, wait, it was yeah. the dad or the or the nurse? The dad, Charles the nanny. Lindbergh. Oh, the dad. I thought it was the nanny who did that. I'd be like, oh, you're no. fired. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and oh, that's creepy. Reading more about Charles Lindbergh now. He was not, mm, I don't know how to say this. He was very into eugenics, which was what also Adolf Hitler was into, about be there being some sort of race of humans that is superior. He was also a Nazi sympathizer, so um, not a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. Not a cool guy. Okay. Yeah. 
So after discovering that their, the baby nursery was empty, the Limbergs called the Hopewell police and the case was transferred almost immediately to the New Jersey State Police. During the search of the scene, traces of mud were found on the nursery floor. Footprints and grooves were found on the ground on f- in front of the nursery's window, the second story window. Also discovered in some brush about 40 yards away from the house was a custom-made wooden ladder that was built in three sections to break down and fold into itself. Dang. This is the ladder that was used to reach the second-story window of the nursery where baby Charlie was sleeping that evening. One of the rungs on the ladder was broken, which does make sense because Charles Sr. mentioned hearing a noise that evening while he was in his study working. He said it sounded like a fruit crate being set down or toppling over. A fruit crate. That's very okay. specific. So like wood breaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Footprints led away from the ladder, but whoever had left them took measures to cover up the tracks, and police could only get a general idea of the foot size. Some think that the kidnapper was wearing socks over their shoes to block out any kind of footprints. Oh, clever. The p- I know. The police followed the footprints, and they abruptly ended, signaling to the investigators that the person who kidnapped Charlie got into a car and drove away. Hmm. It's truly hard to fully comprehend how much this case gripped the hearts of everyone around the world. Charles Lindbergh, as I said earlier, was an American hero. Baby Charlie and his parents were constantly plastered in the press. First photo of Baby Charlie, one of the headlines read, Because of their notoriety, many people came out of the woodwork, no pun intended, to help. Even Al Capone from his jail cell offered an extra $10,000 for the safe return of Lucky Lindy's boy. Dang, Capone. Isn't that wild? I think he was in Chicago at that time, because isn't that where he was in jail? Yes, yep. This case is highly documented and nuanced, more than I can explain here. So if you're interested, please look up this crime in other podcasts, um, because there is a lot more information that I'm probably not going to be divulging, or a lot lot of twists, Mm. but I tried to sum most of it up. I'm looking at pictures online, and... This was a cute little baby. Like, this yeah, is so he was sad. Blonde, curly, like. Yeah. He was adorable. I mean, the pictures that he's in, he looks kind of. He doesn't look like a happy kid. <laughs> but nobody in photos in the 1930s looked happy. Looked happy. Like, yeah, they, they were all, all just like very stoic. Yeah. Well, one piece of one piece of this that I did not include was the fact that the baby's thumb guard was found in the oh. driveway, and I was like, "What's a thumb guard?" Apparently, they used to put these metal cages on kids' thumbs. So they don't suck it, right? chain them to the crib so they couldn't <gasps> reach their mouth with their thumb. Oh. Oh, but it's so a kid. So they couldn't suck their thumb. Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. I am not a parent, nor have I ever had children. But, like, isn't it okay for them to do that, at least until their teeth come in? Or should you just, like, always discourage them from doing that? I, mean, I sucked my thumb for a very long time. <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's not it's not that it's not okay for them to do it. Like a lot of kids suck their thumb, but if you're talking about like dental when their teeth start to come in, like it does mess up how their teeth come in. But also like nowadays they have jammies with like little almost like gloves, oh, but it's mittens. just like a little cover so they can't really suck their thumb. Okay. But if 
I, a lot of parents prefer their kid to suck their thumb over a pacifier because a pacifier, like they don't want them to be dependent on a pacifier and have to take something away. But like you can't take their thumb away. So that's, I feel like that's more mm. dependent, you know? I don't know. Yeah. But that's kind of wild. Like that sounds like straight up child abuse. Yeah, I looked them up and they seem, it seemed, it almost seems like some sort of torture device. Like I'm just like, it's so weird that people yeah. clamped babies' thumbs into these devices. Like a wow. chastity belt. Yeah. Like that seems so, so weird that that ever existed. <laughs> I yeah. know. And like who created it? Um, so, so far it sounds like someone definitely knew where they were staying and wanted to just get some ransom money. But like the amount doesn't make sense. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Back then that was a, back then it was, that was a quite a bit of money. But... Right. right. Well, right, maybe right. it was somebody who didn't have a lot of money to begin with. So that felt like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. We'll see. Well, let's see. We're going to find out. <laughs> um, the kidnapper communicated through ransom notes, 15 in total, some sent Whoa. to the Limbergs themselves and others to a person who volunteered to be an in- independent intermediary. That person's name was John F. Condon, and he used the code name or moniker of Jaffsey, which is his initials, JFC. Hmm. This this gentleman was a principal in a school in New York, or a previous principal, and volunteered to be this intermediary, which I find very strange. Yeah. Again, the Limbergs were very famous at the time, and the way that this person, John Jaffsey, communicated to the kidnappers was through Pope making newspaper uh i don't know articles Articles. or like opening up an ad in a newspaper Mm -hmm. but the kidnappers did agree that he could be the intermediary so that was his role quickly after the first ransom note was discovered in the baby's nursery another one was sent to charles senior and the ransom was increased to seventy thousand dollars giving the given the interest in the case around the world and the media attention The notes were given to a handwriting expert who happened to be German, and he examined the notes and concluded that they were written by a man raised and educated in Germany, based on the misspellings that pointed to the writer's native language. One that kept being repeated was good, was always spelled G-U-T, which is a German spelling of the word good. Oh, The Limbergs gathered the ransom money in the denom- in the denominations that were specified in the notes. Most of these were gold certificates, about $40,000 worth of gold certificates. That was a currency used in the U.S. from 1865 to 1934. At that time, the United States was still on the gold standard, and after the banking collapse in 1929, people began hoarding gold certificates. Most of the bills were small notes, which would prove tricky to trace, even though the U.S. Treasury and the FBI was involved in each serial number of the ransom money being recorded by hand. It would be very difficult to get cashiers to inspect 5 and $10 certificates when they were so common. The sudden increase in ransom by $20,000 was fulfilled with bigger bills that would be much easier to trace. I did not know about this form of currency. They have the gold the gold certificates. Nicole, what you doing over there? I'm really sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was opening up my garlic dip 
and I was trying to be quiet. And you know how we, you know how when like you're trying to open up a bag of chips quietly and you're going really slow and it's just making way more noise and you just do it fast. Sorry. Okay. We're, we're good. We're like snacking over here. I keep muting myself to eat these peanut butter pretzels. Like I could have picked a much quieter snack, but yikes. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so. Jaffsey, acting as an intermediary between the kidnappers and the Limbergs, was instructed to go to a cemetery, the Woodlawn Cemetery, for a meeting. Now, I know our last story involved Woodlawn. That was actually a town. This Woodlawn Cemetery was in New York. So on March 12th, 10 days after baby Charlie was taken from the nursery, Jaffsey met up with a mysterious man who was aptly dubbed Cemetery John. He was described as having an accent of Scandinavian origin. No money was exchanged at this first meeting at the Woodlawn Cemetery. Jaffsey wanted proof that this man, Cemetery John, actually had baby Charlie. He also requested that baby Charlie was given up at the ransom drop that was going to be planned, which Cemetery John did not agree to. He said that the Lindberghs would be given the baby's location within eight hours of receiving the ransom cash, giving Cemetery John time to make an escape. A few days later, the sleep suit baby Charlie was wearing when he was taken was sent to Jaffsey as proof that Cemetery John had the baby. Jaffsey rushed the suit over to the Lindberghs' home, and even though the suit was freshly laundered, it was identified as belonging to baby Charlie by his parents. Letters from Cemetery John started to slow down as the Limburgs grew restless. Jaffsey received a final letter stating, It's time. If the ransom money is not paid by April 8th, it will be increased to $100,000. Jaffsey ran an ad in the newspaper, which is the way he was communicating with the kidnapper, letting them know that the money was ready. After a few back and forths between the kidnappers and Jaffsey, Joseph Perone, a taxi driver, was hired to deliver a letter to Jaffsey at his home. Jaffsey opened the letter, and it was demand. It was a demand for him to deliver the ransom immediately that evening. Question. Yeah. So, Jaffsey is putting ads in the newspaper to communicate with Cemetery John, and like everybody in this town can see this. They're they're looking at the newspaper. Is there like are these like um, archived anywhere? Like, can you see the ads? Oh, I bet you could. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. I didn't really, I didn't really look into that. The ransom notes had a specific symbol that was on them, which is how you could how the kidnapper. It's just so wild to think, but he knew to put that on the ransom note, the first one, and he said that any other ransom note will have this exact symbol on it. Mm. Um, going forward so you'd know it's me. But as far as the communication and the papers, I think it was just Jaffsy putting out putting out his words because they didn't know how to contact, but mm-hmm. then they would receive a ransom note after they ran whatever they put in the paper. Yeah. That is, I, I bet you there's some sort of <clears throat> scan of this. Because like the 19... 19- there has to be. The 1930s, like they're, there's definitely scans. They're everywhere. Oh They're really? There. You found them online? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes. Yeah, you guys that. should look them up. That's pretty cool. Okay. Jaffsey made a wood box to 
to the specifics listed in the ransom communications. He placed the money into it as instructed. Charles Lindbergh himself drove Jaffsey to the location stated for the exchange. Jaffsey grabbed the box out of the car, but as he was about to exit the car, he took out all of the $50 gold certificates that would have been easier to trace. Basically, the entire $20,000 extra that the ransom was upped was taken out, and Jaffsey assured Lindbergh that the person would be more than happy with only $50,000. He wanted to save Charles some money. Oh, no. Jaffsey. So that evening, the exchange was made, and Cemetery John handed Jaffsey an envelope that he said included the location of baby Charlie, but instructed that no one should open the envelope for eight hours. As soon as... Yeah. As soon as Jaffsey got back to the car that Charles was driving, they opened the letter immediately. It stated that baby Charlie was located on a boat called Nellie off of the Elizabeth's Island of Cape Cod, or Martha's Vineyard. The search for Charlie began all around the area. Unfortunately, no one had any knowledge of a baby on any boats questioned, and after many days of searching, it became clear that baby Charlie was not where Cemetery John stated in his final letter. Jaffsey had been duped. Of course. Because you didn't give him the money. You didn't give him the money. On May 3rd, 1932, two months after baby Charlie had disappeared, near the Hopewell estate of the Lindberghs, a trucker had pulled off the side of the road to relieve himself. He had stomped through some brush so he could go in private, and he came upon the decomposed remains of a small child. (gasps) Charles Sr. identified the remains belonging to baby Charlie, and the autopsy revealed that baby Charlie had died not long after he was taken from his crib. He had a fractured skull, and the coroner said that there was hemorrhaging inside of the skull. So he was beaten to death, pretty much. Well, looking back to the ladder that was found near the home, remember the broken rung? Yeah. Some believe that it is possible that when the rung broke, the kidnapper may have accidentally dropped baby Charlie, resulting in his death right there and then, (gasps) under his nursery window. In any case, the Limbergs and the rest of the world are devastated with this outcome. Sad. How awful. You know, it's it's like one thing to be without your kid, like your child to get kidnapped, but then like to go back and forth with someone thinking you're going to get your kid back and have all this hope. Oh, that's just awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talking like about the many facets of this case, like there was communications between the mother and the kidnapper in these ransom notes and where she gave like the diet because apparently baby Charlie was on a specific diet and she told them exactly how to make his food and all this stuff. And they just kept assuring her that he was alive and they were caring for him. Oh, heartbreaking. Uh, That's just fucking awful. So like the wait, do you have more? Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because we haven't gotten into plants yet. Okay. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Hey, hey, I didn't want to be the person. Thank you, Nicole. I was going to be like, so <laughs> the plants. <laughs> I know. I know after Nicole's story of like, oh, she's, we never found the captor or the, the murderer, but, you know, we found out the identity. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> So something I didn't talk about was how difficult it was for the police to work with Charles Sr. He was very, he was trying to run the investigation himself. The FBI tried to help. 
The CIA tried to help and he wouldn't allow anybody in. He had very strict rules on the police um, while the baby was being held hostage. And it was mainly because he thought that police involvement would scare the kidnappers to doing something, you know, traumatic. But now the police were free to find the killer. Ransom money bills were popping up all around New York, the ones that were documented, the serial numbers recorded. However, it was the very small bills that were almost impossible to trace. With Jaffsey taking out the big bills, which really annoyed the authorities, it was proving very difficult to trace the money back to a certain party. What did stand out, though, were the gold certificates that were requested. Because in 1933, President, Flink, President Franklin Roosevelt signed an executive order that took the United States off of the gold standard and recalled all gold certificates. These were to be turned in and exchanged for legal tender. With this change, gold certificates were beginning to stand out when they were used to pay for things. Eventually, a $10 gold certificate would be used to pay for gas at a station. When the cashier received the certificate, they made note of the license plate of the man who used it. That car belonged to Bruno Richard Hopman, a German carpenter living in the Bronx. Yes. Mm-hmm. Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Bruno Richard Hopman was arrested for the kidnapping and murder of Charles Lindbergh Jr. on September 19, 1934. That's two, two and a half years after yeah. this whole situation happened. Now the FBI needed to build the case against Hopman, and that is where plants come in to help us solve this case. Ooh. Even though ransom money was found hidden in Hopman's home and his handwriting was sent to be analyzed at the newly developed FBI crime lab, the latter used in the kidnapping proved to be the most damning evidence against Hopman. The handwriting? The latter. No, the latter. Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought you said <laughs> L-A-T-T-E-R, like the latter, the last oh, thing. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> English is a confusing language. It really is. It is. Arthur Kohler, a chief wood technician at the Forest Products Laboratory in Madison, Wisconsin, was brought in to analyze the kidnap ladder and eventually became an expert witness at the trial. Kohler's particular research interest in the identification, cellular structure, and growth of wood gave him the specific training and abilities necessary for the careful examination of the ladder, which had been used by the kidnapper. Kohler, from there traced the wood of the ladder to a Bronx lumberyard, which formerly employed Bruno Hauptmann. Kohler had been working in this case since May of 1932, more than two years before the arrest of Hauptmann. So they brought, the FBI brought him in, and he was able to identify what types of wood were used. Then he visited plants that would cut and manufacture this wood and identified exact plant that it came from and found out where they shipped their wood to and then found out the exact lumber yard that they was sent to which is just it's wild to me it is so crazy how like how they trace stuff back that way yeah i will i will say arthur's full testimony from court is online and i've i've read through it multiple times and it's just i don't know it's very interesting oh Okay. So after his arrest, the wood of the ladder was used to match wood located in the attic of Bruno Hauptmann's home. The wood used in the ladder construction had nail holes in it, specifying 
or the wood used in the ladder construction had nail holes in it, especially in rail 16. These nail holes were made by square nails, indicating that that piece of wood had previously been used before it was part of the ladder. In Hauptmann's attic, there was a floorboard that had clearly been cut. Kohler placed the nails into the holes on the rail 16, and in Hauptmann's Hauptmann's attic, lined these nail holes up with the floor joist next to the floorboard that was cut. It was a perfect match, size and angle. Kohler showed that when the floorboard was installed, one of the nails anchoring it to the joist was hammered in at a slant, and when placed into the joist, the slant of the nail matched perfectly. That piece of board was nailed to the joist in that attic. There was no doubt. Dang. Also, the railboard lined up with the existing floorboard. There was a one-half-inch piece missing that had clearly been cut off during the ladder assembly, but tracing the grain lines, you could match the grain from the rail 16 to the piece of the floorboard in the attic. Also to note are the annual growth rings of the wood. Wood, akin to a fingerprint, has unique annual growth rings, showing that without a doubt, the ladder used to reach the second floor window of the Lindbergh's home was made of the wood found in Hopman's attic floorboards. That's cool. Like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. I never thought of that. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That is crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> So during the trial, the defense tried to discredit and removed Kohler as an expert witness stating, and I'd quote here, We say that there is no such animal known among men as an expert on wood. That is not a science that has been recognized by the courts. That is not in a class with the handwriting experts or the ballistics experts. But this is no science. This is merely a man who has a lot of experience in examining trees, who knows the barks on the trees, and a few things like that. We may say that the opinion of the jurors is just as good as his opinion, that they are just as qualified to judge whether there is any relationship between these two pieces of board as this man of experience as he terms himself. I mean, it fit perfectly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. So after that statement from the defense, the court determined that Arthur Kohler was an expert on wood and that his testimony would serve as expert testimony, strengthening, strengthening the case of the state and eventually leading to the conviction of Bruno Hauptmann as a man who kidnapped and killed baby Charlie. Hauptmann was sentenced to death on April 3rd, 1936, and he was executed by electrocution. Ooh, wow. The worst way to go. I know. What was the wow. motive? Like, this is, it feels very random. Yeah. Money? Yeah, see, and that's the thing that I haven't really found in any of the research. It was like, well, you know, very few people knew that they were going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he could he could have staked out the property. Um, but there, to my knowledge, and maybe I need to, like, research more, but there was, it didn't seem like there was a strong motive other than, to get money i mean he would have had to have staked out the property and of no and he would have had to know that they were going there because mm-hmm. this happened shortly after they arrived there and he built that ladder right yeah i mean they had they go there on the weekends but yeah he, he oh he, they he knew which weekend. window was the babies yeah he was i will watching say something them. For sure. i have more i have a little bit more here but i will say that it seems like there has been mysterious 
its deaths around like some of the workers that were in the house there was very few mm. but some of them were questioned by police and some say that the police interrogation was really intense and um i believe two of the people that were brought in for questioning multiple times eventually committed suicide oh. or they were found dead so so i don't know wow. and i've also heard conspiracy theories because Charles Sr. was very into eugenics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Baby Charlie had some of his toes crossed over when he walked. And mm-hmm. they were afraid he had rickets. So he was like on a very strict diet with a lot of vitamin D. He slept under a sun lamp. Um, <sighs> and so there are people questioning, was Charles Sr. involved in this? Because oh, that, yeah. wouldn't be, that wouldn't be somebody of the perfect genetic makeup. If, the, if his child didn't walk correctly or there was possibility yeah. of some sort of developmental stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, that happened all the time back in, like, that that day. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Kids were, like, labeled as disappointments and they were locked away by their own parents. Yeah. It's insane. Like, that's creepy. But I do want to focus a little bit on Arthur Kohler, this amazing man. Uh, what he did in the trial was extraordinary. Xylotomy, or wood science, was a very new field of forensic science, and forensic science was also pretty new at that point. And no one at the time understood you could link two pieces of wood by using the growth rings that were like a fingerprint, but Kohler did just that. The case against Hopman was largely circumstantial without the evidence and testimony provided by Arthur Kohler. That was the only thing that linked Hopman to the crime scene. The wood of the ladder. Oh my gosh. Uh, Trees, defense man. Trees. Yeah. Defense attorney Frederick Pope went to tell reporters after the trial that Kohler's testimony was the best that he had ever heard. The jurors seem to agree. The when polled after the trial, several jurors say that it was the Kohler's that it was Kohler's testimony that convinced them of Hopman's guilt. Mm. Wow. Wow. So that is the story of how plants helped solve a crime, which is just That's so wild. cool. I never would have would have thought that, but yeah, like when you when you have like wood slabs, like you could see the grooves. Mm-hmm. That is so cool to think like trees have fingerprints. It's a pretty cool analogy. Yeah. And I also, I'll just say like, I think you should read his testimony because there's a lot more stuff in here. Like he could figure out um, that the planer that used to plane the wood to make it smooth mm-hmm. was Hopman's planer because of the indentations and in, mm-hmm. in yeah. all of that. He knew exactly the tools that were used from the grooves that he could match back to Hopman. So there was wow. the the growth rings and all of that helped, but also just the construction of the ladder. Like he could literally prove that the, these were the exact tools that made these exact cuts, which is just, it's wild. And see, if this would have happened today, you just run into a Home Depot buy a metal ladder (laughs) and none of this would have been solved it would have been washed under the rug swept under the rug (laughs) swept under the rug (laughs) washed Washed under the rug rug. (laughs) that is wild freaking trees that was a cool story that would make a good movie 
There has been quite a few. I saw quite a few documentaries, not so much of the trial, but there was a lot of video from the trial. Like I actually mm. watched really uh, Hauptman being questioned. Yeah, because it was it was akin to I don't want to relate it to this, but the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, you know how that was just like a media frenzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what this trial was. It was plastered everywhere. There was people coming from all over the world to try to sit in there and watch. It was wow. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, like, stuff like that just wasn't recorded back then and Mm -hmm. making a movie or a documentary like that. But because they were so known, that's why there's probably all that footage. Yeah. And speaking of Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, of course, there's a documentary now out where you could watch the entire trial. Did you see that? Oh, really? Who's going to waste, like, what, 20 plus hours of their life? Me, maybe. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Also, Lifetime, I think, is putting out a Gabby Petito movie. Did you guys see that? Yes. Yes. I'm going to watch it. I saw that on TikTok. I saw, like, a preview on TikTok today. I was like, what? It's kind of soon. It's kind of soon, Lifetime. It's very. But I'm going to watch it. It's very soon. Well, okay, see, I was reading the comments. Because sometimes ad people will t- turn the comments off and I'm like, dang it. But this time they left it on yeah. and like everybody was like, man, this is a bit too soon. And then other people yeah. were saying that the family didn't want this movie to be made. Oh, really? Yeah. They were like, yeah. The oh, I don't like that. Gabby's family didn't want it to be made. Apparently, you know, I don't, I didn't talk to her family. I haven't read any of the statements yeah. if there have been any, but um, yeah, it just happened so soon. But somebody was saying like, mm-hmm. It's never too soon, like, for domestic violence awareness, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I'm kind of torn. I feel like yeah, I would feel better about it if her family was cool with it. But since they're not, I'm like, eh. That, yeah. is, that is very icky. Like, I would think her family would want it to be made or would even, like, help in making it to bring awareness to mm-hmm. the situation. But you're right. It's probably ju- it was just probably too soon for them. Although they have done quite a bit of interviews Mm-hmm. And there's a few documentaries out already that's, um, you know, that they're involved in. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's like um, they're like replaying. Like I don't know the format, but they would like they took actors that look like Gabby and Brian and had them play out those scenes that we saw footage of. Like you know when she's in the car wow. crying, like they redid the yeah. scene. Like that's I, where I've, it feels wow. like because it's. It's not a documentary. It's almost like a reenactment. Movie. Yeah, a reenactment. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to believe that her family didn't okay it because why wouldn't they just give let them use that footage? You know, mm-hmm. it's weird. But yeah. Anyway, Adam, you did an incredible job. Yeah, that was oh, really thank good. Thank you. That was really good. What a story. Honestly, like researching this it's been really fun well not fun because it's obviously very sad yeah and and like with your case nicole too there are photos online that i I did not search for but i came across and i was just like nobody needs to see like a a picture of that you know yeah i know i know when i was looking at pictures they they have pictures of the baby like post-mortem and that's not fun like yeah yeah it I mean, does really, bother. It's, o- it's only bones, but like, still, yeah. your mind, your mind is worse. You know, it it does really bother me that they're 
the motive is just it just seems like it's an unanswered question Mm -hmm. was charles involved the conspiracy series think he probably was but i don't know yeah you know what i like to research like i will will with with stories like this i'm like okay where are they now but obviously they're dead but like what did charles die of you know like what was his fate and what about Anne? you know yeah they both have mm-hmm. memoirs, I believe, that they published. Oh. Unimaginable tragedy, though, losing a child, like, especially in that way. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's awful. And then, like, to be strung along for so long. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. It's just, like, ah, uh, I'm with you on the motive thing. Like, why? What's What was the reason? Was Bruno- this just random? He maintained his innocence till his dying breath. So Mm. he never, there was never a point where he admitted to doing anything. Wow. Maybe he was set up. Maybe it was his wood and his like ladder and tools and all that. But, you know, powerful people have a a lot of power, (laughs) you know? Well, and Bruno was an immigrant, obviously from Germany, and he had tried he had a a rap sheet in Germany. He burglarized a couple high profile houses, mm. the, the same method using a ladder to get to the second window. Uh, but never did he inflict harm on any humans. Mm. So that's so weird. Yeah, I, not doesn't line up with his history. I th- I think I okay. At the end of the day, here's my theory. He was either set up by Charles the dad. And he accidentally killed the baby. I think it was an accident. I think it was an accident, too, with the broken ladder rung. Like, I think he built the ladder to sustain his weight, but then when he added the weight of a child, possibly, the ladder couldn't handle it. And I think that possibly Charlie was dropped or something. But also, how easy would it be for Charles to look up Bruno and find his history of breaking in and set him up. But then he'd have to like break into his house and steal his tools and make this ladder, you know? Yeah. Uh, See, it's strange to me because, well, it's not strange, but like it lines up with his previous like MO, like the ladder situation. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think he just had something going on. He did it. And he, yeah. he just mm-hmm. did it to do it, possibly for money. But yeah. I'm not going to, like, I can't get past this eugenics thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, well, obviously those people aren't right in the head. And I feel like they would just do whatever they could to, to I don't know. It just, it's weird. Mm. Maybe he saw it as a, like, like, okay, maybe he didn't set it up, but once it happened, he was like, this is my opportunity to, like, be rid of the kid. So, like, let's not have the police involved. Let's keep it very low-key. You know what I mean? Like, not yeah, working all that hard to get the baby back. Because yeah. he's like, maybe this is my opportunity to be rid of this, like, whatever. Unworthy. Unworthy mm-hmm. child. Yeah. I, I don't know. Did they ever have any kids again? 
They did. I think Anne was actually pregnant with her second child when all of this was happening. Oh, dear. Oh, even worse. The hormones. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Generational trauma just being brewed right into that baby. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. That sucks. Gosh. Wow. All right. Well, Great story. That was our second true crime plants solving the case. Yes. If you guys liked it. it, make sure you leave us a review. Becca's story's coming up next week. Yay! <laughs> so we are recording next week. Next Thursday. Yes. Okay, I'm getting confused with your vacation. I'm not sure what's going on here. Got it. Okay. All right. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at potted together and on youtube and you can follow us individually mine's my handle is at not dude becca is at de la plants and nicole is at my clean leaves we have a patreon which we post chatty chaotic episodes that are also really really fun (laughs) so uh join us over there if you're interested in that and i think that's it yeah we'll talk to you guys next week Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.